grateful for the opportunity to share his word with you this morning. I don't ever want to take that lightly. If you've come this morning to hear from him, that is my hope, that as we study his word, you will hear from him, and I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to do that together. And, and looking forward to open his word together. How many of you brought your Bibles with you this morning? Maybe just hold them up. Man, it's more and more. The back section there, you're going to step your game up, but... Uh, why do we say it? What do we keep saying? We want to get used to what? Oh, we're going to better keep saying it then. We want to get used to opening the book. Get used to opening the book. Not just on your phone where you can be distracted any minute, but opening the book and opening your heart to what's in it. We got to get really used to that. And uh, grateful for, the, for those who are joining us uh, along the, the journey since I returned from uh, my summer off, my sabbatical. We've been... Uh, really digging in deep to pursuing Christ. And uh, last week we began a series about mission and vision. And uh, uh, just even if you weren't here last weekend and you're kind of, you say like I'm a regular at Kingsway, if you weren't here or you didn't have a chance to listen to it online, I would just ask that, that you would uh, take, a, take some time to do that. Just really believing that what is spoken last week and this week, is what his desire is for us at church and I uh, hope that it would permeate every part of what we do, but it needs, to, it needs to be able to settle in there. There's some that have texted me and said, hey, I listened to it a couple of times. Even better. Uh, let it in there. It, to be honest, I've listened to it myself uh, just because I, to even to hear it, uh, hear myself saying those words, reminding of what's going on in my heart. So last week we talked about that one thing, finding that one thing that God's designed us, uh, you for personally, but designed us for as a church as well. What is that one thing? What, what one sentence or what one phrase could describe and bring clarity to, to why we exist? And anybody remember what the six words for, were from last week that, that he just you know, dropped in my heart? I'll help you with the first one. It's helping. Yeah, we're getting there. Helping people find... Christ and community, helping people find Christ and community. I don't know if we have it up on the screen, but maybe if you see it uh, in different ways this morning, it will, it will drop in there. That, that's, that's what I feel like, you know, if I had anything to, to be stated about my life, it would just be this, that Mark helped people find Christ and community. That, that is the most uh, important thing. And why, we talked about it last week. Why is finding Christ so important? Because it is the most important thing in life. Because our lives do end. We don't know the days, but we will meet him face to face. And he will ask us, what did you do? Who did you say that I am? And man, we have the chance to answer that is what we find in this moment now. And so that's the encouragement for us today is that finding Christ, not just, not just finding Christ once and saying, oh, I said a prayer. I believe there's a Jesus. It's discovering and pursuing him is what we talked about. We talked about last week how the target is Christ. That it's like there's lots of things we can do around the target. I don't know if we have the slide for that, but there's like Christ being the middle. We, we can look at all these peripheral things, church services, Bible studies. Oh, I said a prayer. I even tried solitude or Sabbath or, or uh, you know, some silence or I, you know, I, uh, I went to a small group or whatever. None of those, none of those are the target. They're simply tools to help us pursue Christ to know Christ, that as we worship as Lord, I, I, I want to connect with you. As we listen to his word today, Lord, just reveal, reveal to me who you truly are. It's what I'm, I'm, my heart is longing for. 
And so this morning, uh, we're going to dig into his word. You can go to Acts chapter 2. If you, uh, I would encourage you to take notes this morning, especially as our minds can be in different places, to just jot down some notes and to have a chance to, um, to come back and look at this. There might be paper in front of you. Uh, there are pencils. I don't know. Right? Kids write stuff on their arms these days. Whatever. It's whatever it takes to take it with you. Please do so. And we want to talk about the second part to this morning. We talked last week about finding Christ. We want to talk about finding community, discovering and pursuing community. And why? Because every single one of us has an inner need for community. We do. We all have this, uh, this desire and need for it. No matter, it may be different levels of it, but we all have a need for it. Uh, Pastor John Don in 1642 penned these words. There's the no man is an island. No man is an island. We're never designed to do life all on our own. Uh, we're relational beings. And so our hope in helping people find Christ in community is simply that they're going to find right relationship with God and right relationship with each other. That is the, the desire between finding, helping people find Christ and community. And we say helping people find Christ and community. Is that, no, do we have the helping people one? The helping people find Christ and community. Um, that thought is meant to be in that order. That, that's what I would like us to, to consider this morning is that we would, like a two-sided coin, helping people find Christ and find community are the two sides of the coin, but it's always heads before tails. It's always helping people find Christ first and then find community. And I know as a church that, that, uh, that, that maybe hasn't been our tendency in the past, but I want to take a look at Scripture this morning and see what we discover as a result. So turn to Acts chapter 2. If you're uh, new to the Bible, keep going towards the back and you'll find some red letters. It's just past that. Acts chapter 2. I'll start and just pick it up in verse 36. Is what we talked about last week where Peter was preaching to a crowd of people on the streets in Jerusalem. And as he finishes his message to them, he says, Let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. He is both Savior and Master. And Peter's words pierced their heart. See, that's the part we can't do, but that's what Holy Spirit does. The words pierced their heart. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And we realized last week that it wasn't say a prayer or just make a decision. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins. Turn away from the life you were living and turn towards God. And, 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 says, and it's more than that. It's be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness or because you've been forgiven of sin and you'll receive the gift of Holy Spirit. You know, it's that thought of turning away from and pursuing, pursuing Jesus Christ. A couple of verses later in verse 41, we see that the, the response. When Peter's like, hey, this is what I'm telling you to do. What did they do? Verse 41, it says, those who believed, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. You know, what it's talking about is those who believed, those who believed what, what Peter said and accepted the terms. It wasn't those who just like, oh, I believe there's a Jesus, or I said a prayer. It was like, no, those who repented of sin, they were like, I, my life, the life I've been living, I'm going in a direction that's away from God. I'm pursuing me, I'm pursuing pleasure, I'm pursuing everything but, and I'm going to turn around God to pursue you, to, to go in a different direction, to my, that my life's direction is in pursuit of him. And as a result, I am forgiven for all of that. He washes that all away as I look towards him. Changes you from the inside out to be a completely new person. Something that never existed before. The free version of you. 
set free from the penalty, the power, and eventually the presence of sin in our lives. And it says those people, the ones who did that, he says they were added to the church. And we know that the church, we've said it often, it's not they were added to the Sunday morning thing, they were added to a membership. No, they were added to a community, a community of people who are following Jesus. And in verse 47, we see you know, it, that it continues on. It talks about them and it says, all the, all the while this, these people were praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, each day, so not just Sunday, not just the weekend, each and every day, the Lord was adding to their fellowship or to the community those who were being saved. You see that this morning? You see that this morning? We, maybe just a quick question. I trust you were just paying attention, so you'll, you, you can probably answer this. Who, who was adding people to the church? Oh, look it up. It's an open book test. The Lord. The Lord was doing the adding. It wasn't the church deciding who we're going to add or we're going to make an, our attempt to add people to the church. No, the Lord was adding people to the community. And who was he adding? Those who were being saved. Those who had said, I'm turning from this and I'm going this way. It says they were, they were the ones who were um, being added to the community. This community was made up of a very specific type of person. It was a community of people in pursuit of Jesus. So sometimes, you know, and, I, and in the past, I've been tempted, like many, to put the cart before the horse. To put the cart before the horse to say, you know, we just want to get people into the church. If we can just get them in here, you know, maybe then they're going to, you know, they're going to follow Christ. It was never meant to be that way. You know, and it, I, I think that the fruit of that is very, very small as a result. Because I think about it, why do people join churches today? Why did you choose this one over any other one you could have attended today? But I, as I listen, people talk about it. Why did I go? Well, I like the music, you know. I like the, I'm not a big hymns fan. I like the music here, you know, or, oh, they have a kid's ministry. I, it's like free babysitting for an hour, you know, it's like, uh, or, you know, my friends go there. And so we have all these things that, you know, like we said before, we want to try and create a place that, that people would want to become a part of, that people would want to be a part of. But, you know, I think sometimes our hope was maybe that people would find Christ. Maybe they would find Christ if we, uh, as a result of our good programs. You know, if we have good programs, maybe people will come, and as a result, they, maybe they'll find Christ. And I, I just ask, is that the type of community that Christ was thinking about when he actually started it? And Scripture would tell us different. So this morning, when we say we want to help people find Christ and find community, I think it's really important that we define the type of community that we want to help people find. And so if you're taking notes, write this one down. Christian community is a Christ-centered community. It's really tiny. Oh, that's all right. Christian, it's just tiny on that screen. Christian community is a Christ-centered community. Because there's lots of different communities with lots of different focuses. And, you know, because we have a desire for community, we can actually find community in all kinds of different, uh, different places and for different reasons. You know, when I was a kid, and I, I just realized last night somebody corrected me, but when I was a, a kid, I thought these didn't exist anymore, but there was the twilight meetings. Anybody know what the twilight meetings are? It's all where the dairy farmers in our area would all go together to meet and talk about cows. Yeah. I know they just like, this is what they gathered around. Yeah, I know. I see you smiling, Dennis. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sitting up. He puts cows on the screen. Some of you are listening now. It's like, I found your love language, right? It's like, this is, this is what they were surrounded around, you know, talking about this and quota and, you know, the, the robots and whatever else. And they just, oh man, it's like they lit up on the inside. What they're talking about, talking about what I'm connected to. 
You know, and then there's others, just book club. Like, we have these women who meet at my house. Not those women, but a lot of women from here would meet at my house, and they talk about books for six hours. And I'm like, this is crazy. They have good snacks, so I'm happy to have you at my house. But I'm like, 1 o'clock in the morning, I'm like, I'm going to bed, and maybe, maybe she'll show up at some point. But what is it? They love these books, and there's this community talking about it. Sometimes I listen in, it's like, are they talking about their husbands? No, oh, it's still the books. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. But what is it? They're around, they found community around a, a cause. And then, you know, sports, man, like hockey, soccer, baseball, talking about and playing and pickup league and church league. And then when you get too old to play, you play fantasy sports and you can just talk about all your teams. Just saying, any of you fantasy players, nobody cares. Okay? So <laughs> don't tell us your team and whoever else, nobody cares. Um, but, 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 but they do. In the group, they do. It's just the thing. They've got that cause. And then we have groups, you know, social clubs, like moms groups and seniors groups and youth groups that are just designed around the, the commonality of age. And so it's like we find community around this. But what is, a, what is a Christian community? Because I don't know if you realize this, the church could do all those same things. You can have a group that talks about cows. You can have a group that's, you know, the seniors, the, the amazing grays, uh, whatever you want to, you know, call it. We got youth groups. It could be all of these things. But what is the type of community that Jesus was all about? And so let's take a look at a verse that's right in the middle of the stuff we just talked about. And I've talked about it a number of times here. And yet this week, as I studied it again, I'm like, man, I keep learning something new. It's amazing how his word is living in that way. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Still with me there? It says this, all the believers... We define what the believers are. They're the ones who left a certain way of life to pursue Jesus daily. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. This group of people devoted themselves to community, to things. And when you read the list, the type of community they devoted themselves to was a community that was about pursuing Christ. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They're like, like as they said, we're pursuing Christ. They're like sitting under the apostles saying, teach us. Help us understand more about Christ. Show us in the Old Testament how it points to him. Explain to us who, it, who Jesus is and how to follow him. And so they would dedicate their hearts to it. They dedicated their, themselves and devoted themselves to fellowship, which is the word koinonia, which is like basically like being in each other's lives. Like the real deal of like, not just, oh, I saw someone at the church I go to. No, like we know them. We know their kids. We, we, we share meals together with them. You know, people share meals. They talk. And it's like, what are they talking about there? Well, they would share the Lord's Supper. You know, we sometimes do that here and we will again soon. Um, but it's that, it's that reminder of as they're sitting around a table, hey, man, isn't it amazing what Jesus did for us? That's their dinner conversation. Yeah. Can you believe it? The God of the universe who created everything, he loves us. He knows us. He sent Jesus to reveal the Father to us and to give his life for us. Man, I once was this guy living in all, but it's forgiven. Whatever was on that list, it's, man, it's washed clean. What do you think about, pass the butter, and what do you think about that? This is their conversations. And they dedicated, devoted themselves to prayer Often in solitude and silence and these times of just, God, I just want to know you more. Devoted to that. Every day, finding ways to know him more. Why? Because the community was Christ-centered. And so here's the question today. It's great that that was the way it is for them. What about you? What about me? What about us? Think about that for a second. 
what, when you get gather together with the church, and we'll just say here, because that's probably the easiest, um, the easiest example. What do you talk about? What do you guys talk about when you're back in the cafe? I sometimes listen in in some of your conversations. I have a gift for that. You know, uh, I hear some of you, like maybe it's like talking about cows, farming. You know, is it maybe the weather? Is it going to cooperate this week? Sports? You know, the Leafs lost. That's a common uh, conversation around here. What about, what, what is it? What do you talk about? Work? Kids? Christ? And, and I ask this question because I, I want to push on that a little bit this morning. It's not that every conversation has always got to be about Christ in the, in the cafe or wherever you're around his people. But here's my question. If it's never about Christ, shouldn't that be a cause for concern? If it's never about, if you're like, oh, I, it's kind of hard for me to talk about Christ, but I don't, I don't know why. So let me ask that question. Do you ever find it difficult to talk about Christ? Maybe in your workplace. Maybe, you know, with your family, maybe, at, you know, Thanksgiving dinner last week, it's, it's, like it's hard, kind of difficult to talk about Christ. Maybe you find it difficult to talk about Christ here. Maybe there, we're not going to show hands, but like maybe, maybe that's that. Why do you think that is, though? Why do you think it's difficult to talk about Christ in the community of Christ followers? And I'll tell you, I hear lots of answers. Oh, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure that I know enough. I mean, I'm not sure that I have the right words to say. What if, I'm, like if somebody asks me a question, I don't know if I'm going to have the right answer. And so we have this and we're like, it's, it find it difficult. But let me, let me ask you this question. Have you ever been to a restaurant where somebody recommended it to you and you're like, they're like, you just got to try it. And then you go and try it. You're like, oh yeah, everybody's got to try it. I remember my buddy telling me about this place called the Barasa Steakhouse in, I know, some of you were like... The rest of the sermon is doesn't even matter. <laughs> and he's like, man, you got to try this. And I'm like, dude, I'm Dutch. I'm not spending that kind of money on meat. I'm just sorry. It's just not happening. He's like, fine, I will take you. So we went on a mandate and we, uh, we went to the Brazos Steakhouse and I sat there as they carry these skewers full of different meats and they just all use like, yes. And they shave that down onto the plate and you, you eat it and then they f- come around with pineapples and they're shaving that onto the plate and then they bring it back and roast and there's chicken and beef and lamb. You're like, <gasps> and, and then you like, you just, you barely make it home. The meat coma wears off after a while and then you're like, everybody's gotta try this. And you begin telling your buddies, man, I'm not going to take you, but you really should go. <laughs> right? Is it, it, I remember talking about it to everybody. You just got to try. You just got to try it. It's, it's that amazing. Do you realize that in Scripture, that's what they did about the Lord as well? I mean, let's look at David, Psalm 34, verse 8. He says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. What is he saying? I have a desire for others to experience what I've experienced. Man, I've tasted and seen experience that he's good, and you just got to try it. Man, we need a worship song like that. You just got to try it. He's good. He's good. You know, as I read through the New Testament, I noticed some interesting things. Did you realize that Jesus, there was times when people told the disciples, no more talking about Jesus. Remember we talked about that? The religious leaders like, you're not allowed to talk about Jesus. And what did they do? Yeah, they went and talked about Jesus. And they bring them back in the next day and they're like, I think we were clear. No more talking about Jesus. And what do they say? Hey, man, we, we're going to obey him. We can't help but talk about him. Did you know that Jesus actually told people not to talk about him? 
I found that interesting. You read through Mark, and he heals this guy, and he's like, okay, now don't go tell anybody. And he's like, okay. And goes out, he's like, tells everybody. He sins right after Jesus heals him. Another one's blind, able to see. And she's like, don't tell nobody. Okay. And then what does he do? He goes and tells everybody. Why? Why? Because Jesus didn't actually have to encourage them, hey, you guys really should talk more about me. Right? They experienced him and were like, yeah, okay, you try and shut us up. Man, we're just going to go and tell everybody. And I love it. They didn't have to have the right words. You read in in, uh, John 9, where there's this man born blind and Jesus heals him. And then uh, he goes and tells everybody, man, Jesus, he, this, this man, Jesus healed me. And, and then what are they, the, the religious leaders are like, yeah, yeah, we don't, we're, not, we're not all about that. It couldn't be. That guy's a sinner. There's no way. And he's like, no, no, it was him. And they're like, okay, fine. Call his parents. They call the parents in and the parents, they said, hey, did Jesus heal him? And they're like, they're terrified of the religious leaders. So what do they say? They're like, uh, we don't know. All we know is this is our kid. He was born blind, and he's not blind anymore. And so the religious leader's like, okay, fine. Get out of the parents. Kid, let's talk again. I mean, he's 40-something years old. He's like, hey, how did you get healed? He's like, it was Jesus. I'm like, okay, we told you that's not the answer. And he's like, okay. And they ask him, so tell us again. And what does he say? Uh, Why do you keep asking me? Would you guys like to follow him too? And they're like, what's happening here? He's like, I don't need the right answers. I'll just tell you, this is what he did for me. You want to follow him too? Because there's nothing you can say that's going to keep me from speaking of him. Why? Because they experienced him. And so today, you know, I'm not trying to encourage you. Go in the cafe and talk about Jesus. Because I know how awkward that's going to be after the service. Everybody get out there, get the coffee. So uh, you want to talk about Jesus? <laughs> like, I, I know. So that's not really what I'm encouraging you. What I'm encouraging you is this. Would you pursue Christ? Because I know that after this summer of just digging deep for him in my room alone, just God, I want to know. I just want everybody to know. I want everybody to experience what I experienced this summer. Somebody asked me on the phone this week after we were chatting, Mark, do you think everybody has to have a sabbatical? I'm like, yes. (laughs) I sent Charlie and Sharon on one. I hope they come back and have experienced Jesus. Because there's nothing else that matters in this life than him. And it's not just a, oh, here's what we say. It is legit. It doesn't matter what age you are. Teenagers, man, I encourage you, pursue Jesus. Pursue Jesus. There's nothing else. And guess what? He said that, you know, seek. Seek first the kingdom. Why? Because you'll find it. Keep seeking. Why? Because those who seek will find. It's what Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 7. And so when we want to help people find Christ and community, it's simply to help them find Christ. And as a result, they won't be able to stop talking about him and, and find community as a result. Second, Christian community finds unity in Christ. You know, turn to Acts chapter 13. Go to the right a little bit. Acts chapter 13, verse 1. This is an interesting, really interesting uh, little piece of scripture. It says this, among the prophets and teachers of the church of Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Menaean, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. And one day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I've called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them away. Here you see the leaders of the church basically modeling what it looks like to be a community, to be the community that's a community that's Christ-centered. Why? Because they're from all different backgrounds. You know, um, uh, what's his name? Lucius or whatever. He's, he's uh, 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 it's a Latin name. You got, you got a couple of Jewish guys in there. You got some from Africa. All this different thing. But what are they, what are they united around? 
Not about, oh, we're all about diversity, so we're going to unite around diversity. No, they're united around Jesus, around Jesus. And I thought, what would it look like if these people had not followed, had, were not followers of Christ? What if any one of them in that group was not a Jesus follower, was not Christ-centered in their life? What would it look like? I thought about that. Barnabas, he's a Jewish guy. He, if it wasn't for Christ, he's avoiding all these people. He's like, we don't hang out with them Gentiles, right? We just don't. Simeon, he's probably, they, they write in there, he's the black man. He's probably like out there like screaming racism with his sign and be like, they wrote that about me. I can't believe it. You know, the, how racist can these people be? You look at Manan, he's Herod's childhood friend. He's like, man, Herod doesn't want any other king or whatever. So he's probably reporting them to, to Herod. Saul, Saul's probably just killing them. He's just like, that's it. You could Jesus follow? That's it. Boom. Out of here. But, but why, why does this group of people find a way to have community where they can pray and fast and serve and pursue the Lord together? They unite around him and his community. As you look at, at J- Jesus' prayer, he was praying for unity. That's what he prayed for in his church. If you flip back a few to the left, John chapter 17. For the sake of time, I'm just going to jump right in. Verse 20. He says this, I'm praying, this is Jesus, I'm praying... Not only for these disciples, which were the ones that were there with him, the 11, the first, he says, but I'm also praying for everyone who will ever believe in me through their message. If you're a Jesus follower here today, Jesus was praying for you. Here's what he's praying for you. He says, I pray, verse 21, that they'll all be one. They'll be united just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. May they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I'm in them and you're in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Here's Jesus' prayer. And his prayer is, oh, Lord, I pray that they'll be united around all things doctrine. Oh, I pray that they'll all be united in all the way that they serve. No, he's like, man, I just pray that they'll be united around relationship with me. I'm in them. They're in me. This is what the ma- main thing is, Lord, that, God, that they, they are so connected to me just as I am connected to you. It's going to feel like they're one. And that unity is a byproduct of a whole bunch of people pursuing Jesus. A.W. Tozer said this, Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of, of a chord being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which one must, uh, each one must individually um, bow. You see this thing of, of the tuning all of them to one thing, and that's the same thing with us. Those people who says, who are they? They're the ones who pursue in Jesus. That is the one thing they're tuning their life to, to his spirit, to his word. And that is the, the direction they're heading. And it wasn't always a perfect, harmonious community by any means. No program can make up for the diverse personalities. We see Paul and Barnabas who are in this community pursuing Jesus together. We just read about them. And, and then they have this massive fight. And they go separate ways. But what's, what's humorous to me about it is they both go separate ways to start more Jesus-centered communities. It's not like they're like, oh, it didn't work. Give up. Oh, I got offended in that church. Give up. No, they went to start more of them. They went to realize that part of pursuing Christ is pursuing community. Those two are, they're not separated from each other. You can't have one without the other. You know, you can't say, I love Jesus, but I hate his church. Which some will be like, oh, I love Jesus. I just don't like the, I don't like, I don't like Christians. 
I think sometimes if there's that kind of uh, friction or whatever, it's asking, asking yourself, are, are they really pursuing Christ? Or was it something about them pursuing something else that has rubbed me wrong? Or am I the one who's not truly pursuing Christ and that's caused it? Because as we pursue Christ, man, he calls us to, to unity and it becomes a byproduct of it. <clears throat> there's some that remain lone rangers in the faith. They're just, you know, doing church all by themselves. COVID gave them that opportunity and they kind of sort of stayed in that. Like, I just do church my own way. I do Christianity in my own way. They, there may be literally uh, some people who literally cannot be a part of community, but that's very few. I know people who live in different, maybe it's location of where you live, or maybe it's physical health. You can't get out and, and be there. I, I know that up in Perry Sound right now, there's a house church meeting. My Oma's there with my folks and others. It's like finding that way to find community in, in any way possible. But it's interesting that in the early church, that being disconnected from the community was not a virtue. It wasn't like, oh, wow, you're so good at being church, you can do it all by yourself. It wasn't a virtue. It was actually a punishment. It was actually what they would ask people who were like living either in habitual sin or constant compromise. They would say, we're actually going to ask you to leave the community for a while until you come back to the place where you're pursuing Christ. Because this community is not just a free-for-all for for anybody who wants to be a a part of it. This is a community that our focus is in pursuing Christ together. And I think that's why I say sometimes we get it backwards and we're like, oh, well, the church is supposed to be accepting and loving of everybody. It is. But that true community, it's an exclusive group of people who are like, we're pursuing Jesus there's room for the crowd, but the community is what he's calling them to, to say, I want to pursue Christ. And some are saying, yeah, but shouldn't we be accepting all people? Paul would write to the churches and say, no, no, let me, let me explain what, what this is. You know, as he wrote to the Corinthians, he was telling them, hey, you guys are just accepting everybody and their lifestyles as if that's okay and if that's normal. He's like, that's not, that's not normal. We left a life behind to pursue Christ. Let me remind you about who we are. This is a Christ-centered community of people who are united under the lordship of Jesus Christ and the pursuit of Christ. Want to join us? But that's, what, that's who we are and that's where we're going. Yes, you're welcome, you're welcome here but this, that, that, that isn't, isn't the goal. He's the goal. And he reminded them what the church community is like. And, you know, we live in a hypersensitive culture, which makes it difficult. Um, people get easily offended. Uh, it was really not difficult to find this picture. But some, you know, even today, is that you just heard the statements I made. There's this, like, this offense that stirs up on the inside. This offense of saying, well, I don't like what he just said. But can I just say that in a world of hyper, hypersensitivity, where people just get easily canceled, that the, the, the Christ-centered community would not be hypersensitive, because a hypersensitive com- community can ultimately cost people their eternity with Christ. A hypersensitive community, Christ-centered community, can ultimately cost people their eternity with Christ. That is what's on the line. That's why there's no, no, uh, no sense in us saying, oh, we're, we're going to try and make it so acceptable and hopefully they find Jesus. No, we want you to find Christ so you can have a chance to find his community. You know, people who get offended because they get confronted about, you know, their lifestyle and what they're living by people who genuinely love them. The Christ-centered community shouldn't have that. You know, think about Proverbs Solomon writes in Proverbs 27, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You know, it's uh, faithful, he says, are the wounds of a friend. Anybody love wounds? Me neither. They hurt, but guess what? They were supposed to. If you have people in your life who are going to speak into the situation they see and say, brother, how's your pursuit of Christ? You should be thanking them. 
Because they're actually stepping out into a place where they know that in our hypersensitive culture, you could just book it and say, oh, there's no love in this place. Actually, there's an incredible amount of love in this place. Because they're actually calling you to the one thing that matters. That is my call to us this morning. Don't take offense. Take a step in pursuing, in pursuing him. In the context of a community that's actually Christ-centered, there's, there's no room for us to take Scripture and just beat people up with it. Oh, I found a Scripture that says, Thou shalt not, and I know that person does that. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's like, it's, it's, I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm just going to invite you. Are you pursuing him? Are you pursuing him really in this church? If that's where we want to help people find, it starts with us pursuing him. So finally, finally, Christian community comes at a cost. Like we said last week, the cost of following Jesus, there's a cost. And that's why there's a cost to Christ-centered community. It's because it costs something to follow him. And we want to help people discover and pursue Christ-centered community. But we live in a culture that's all about consumerism. What, what, can th- what can this company do for me? What can this do for me? Rather than cooperation of what can we do together. And the church, it can seep in. And you get this thought where people are like, I don't like that church. They're kind of clicky. You know where... <laughs> That this place is too serious. Or they're not serious enough. This isn't quite what I'm looking for. Can, can I tell you something? We all need community. And when we're looking for community and where we can find that, as Jesus followers to find Christ-centered community, this, you should really ask yourself this question. And I borrowed the phrasing but changed a few of the words. It's this. Are you the community that the community you're looking for is looking for? Are you the community that the community you're looking for is looking for? What does that look like? Like, well, I want a church that's going to be like accepting of me and loving of me. And it's, it's really all about me. Guess what kind of community is all about that? A community who's all about me. And I want you to be all about me, accepting of me and, and do everything for me. And, and you're going to hate that community. What did Jesus say? You want to be the greatest? Learn to be the servant. Learn to serve others. That's where the greatest in the community um, happens. That's the greatness of a Christ-centered community. It's not about the selfish things that you just really don't want anyways. The second thought, what can I get? You know, what can this place do for me? I want, I want kids' ministry for every age. I, w- I want my kids to, you know, this and this. Or I think that the cafe should have more snacks. <laughs> I agree, but it's not going to happen. No. You know what that kind of community is? You'll never get here in time to get the more snacks because the community will have been there ahead of time be like, Penny made, Penny made uh, uh, whatever she makes, butter tarts. And they got their bag and they're like stuffing them in their purse. I'm like, woohoo! Yeah, just take, 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 take. You don't want that community. What is a Christ-centered community? It says it's really it's better to give than to receive. And you'll discover it. If you come to give and you're giving and giving and giving to the other person, giving, giving and giving to you, you're like, I can't take anymore. It's wonderful. But why? You came pursuing that community. And finally, well, I, I came because I need friends. This one hurts a little, but I'm going to say nobody needs more needy friends. I just don't. I know. That's probably speaking more to the Saturday night and online community. I know. <laughs> but no one needs more needy friends. What is it, though? It's like, you know what? I want to pursue Christ, and I want to pursue Christ with people pursuing Christ because they're going to be the ones that I want to run with. And that true and genuine community is going to be worth it because it's going to cost us. It's going to cost us time and effort and selfishness. Like, he preached way too long. It's going to cost. 
It's going to cost. But man, my hope is that you would catch that, that you would realize that as I pursue Christ and that community above all the others, I'll be helping other people find Christ every single day. How's that work? I'm texting each other. I'm like praying with people over the phone. I'm like, we just, man, I'm asking my friends, hey, I see the, are you pursuing Christ? Oh man, you know what? You're right. I was getting too busy, too distracted. Thank you. Yes, back on track. And guess what? They will do the exact same for you. As Jesus followers, there is nothing more precious than that. And so here, finally, that group that was all praying and worshiping together, Paul, Barnabas, you know, the rest of these guys, what happened as they were doing all of that? Man, one of the greatest answers to, the, to, to, to most people's questions, God, what do you want me to do in life? He's like, man, we're just doing life together. We're following Jesus together. And all of a sudden, the Lord speaks and says, hey, I want Paul and Barnabas to go and do this. This is what I've called them to. And the group hears it, and they're like, okay, we're good with that. Let's pray about this. Let's fast. Let's support these guys, and let's send them out. And what happened? It simply came because they were pursuing Christ with others. Man, I pray that that would be what this place is all about, helping people daily pursue Christ. And how does it happen? Simple. It's, you want to find Christ-centered community? It simply starts with this. Begin pursuing Christ. Begin pursuing him at home every day. Begin pursuing Christ. What does it look like? It doesn't matter what the time length is. It's just the change of direction. Jesus, I want my life to be focused around you. Last scripture, Matthew 16. If you just go back a few and do it because it's worth it. Underline it in your Bible. So next time you read through, you're like, oh, why would I underline that? And you see it, when Jesus began the Christ-centered community, when he began his Christian community, his followers, it started with a question. It says this, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they replied, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And then then he just zeroes in on Peter with this question. All right, that's who they think you are. Who do you say I am? And that is a question he's asking each and every one of us here this morning. Jacob, who do you say that he is? Nevaeh, who, who do you say that he is? Mark, who do you say that he is? Noah, who do you say that he is? Dennis, who do you say that he is? Because it matters who you say that he is. And what's Peter's response? He's like, man, you're the Messiah. You're the Savior. You're the Son of the living God. You are it. You are who you say you are. And our lives are, are lived in pursuit of you. And Jesus replied, Simon, you're blessed. My Father in heaven revealed that to you. You didn't learn that from any human being. And I'm saying to you, Peter, your name means rock. But upon the rock of this revelation that you know who I am, I'm going to build my church and the powers of hell will not conquer it. And so that's the question tonight, today to you. Who do you say he is? Is he Savior and Master? Because if he's not, you're deceiving yourself. If you haven't turned from a life of saying, if you've got one foot in both worlds, you're like, this is my Sunday, but the rest of my life I'm pursuing this. Oh man, you're deceiving yourself. That is not what Christ or Christ-centered community, it's not what he's called us to. He's called us to leave that behind for the opportunity to pursue him. And believe me, pursue him is so much better than just, oh, I said a prayer. You get to know Jesus. You get to experience him every day. You get to find the peace, love, the hope, the joy, everything that is him in in, in an experiential way in your life every day. And so this morning, I'm asking you, if that sounds like you this morning, do you hear his voice drawing you? Where he's asking you, hey, it's time to get serious about this. You don't know how much time you have. Who do you say that he is today? Man, I pray that you answer that question. Jesus, 
I put my faith, my trust in you. I realize I need a savior, but count the cost because it will cost you. It will cost you. In all the decisions you make, Lord, what do you think? I'm going to say yes to that. And then finally, if you're here today and you're a Jesus follower, you're pursuing Christ. That's kind of the thing they say. That's, this is what my life is on. Are you pursuing community? Are you pursuing community with other believers? Say, I'm going to do this together with others. I want to be a part of a community that, that is pursuing Christ and is Christ-centered. Because I promise you that's what he's calling you today. For your good, for the good of others, and for his glory. And so this morning, I don't know if you can hear it in my heart but I want to be a person in a church that helps people find Christ, discover him, pursue him every single day and help them find community where they can do that with others. And if that's something that you're interested in, that is the direction where we believe our church is heading as a leadership team. That it may not be, you know, like the the healthy life-giving church that unchurched people want to become a part of. You know, that's not how it worked. What happened is people pursued Jesus They went out. They couldn't stop talking about them everywhere they went, work, play, family, whatever. And out there on the streets, people were like, I I want Jesus. And as they made commitments to Jesus Christ, where did they end up? In his community. Man, that's my heart. That's my hope for you. And it's not going to be about teaching about the right words. It's one thing. Would you pursue? Would you pursue him? Would you go home? Would you pursue Christ? Let's pray. Father, I'm just grateful that you've revealed this in my life. Just opened my eyes to see who you are. And you are worth pursuing and nothing else is. Jesus, I'm just grateful for your voice through your word and through your spirit. As each of us sit here in different places today, we, we each need to hear your voice. So Lord, for those who are in the spot where they just realize that they need you, that they need a savior, Lord, as they wrestle with that, Father, I pray that as they count the cost, they would find you worth it. And that they'd humbly submit their lives to your Lordship, Jesus. And I pray that for us as your followers, that each and every day, Holy Spirit, you'd be drawing on us to that place of knowing you, of seeking you, of pursuing you. Oh, Lord, help us stay connected to you. And may the fruit of that be a lives lived, words spoken, lives changed for your glory. Because you deserve it, Jesus. You truly deserve it. I pray this in your name this morning. Amen. Amen. I have a couple quick questions we're going to put on the screen. Just to simply ask, you know, Jesus, what are you doing? And uh, I just wanted to show you guys something um, as well. Yesterday, as I was prepping for this, uh, Becky showed up at my house right before church, and she, uh, she gave me something, and I just wanted to... I'm only taking one off, don't worry. Yeah, I hope if you're a pictures person that you see that, you're like, oh yeah, I'm just going to remember Christ and community. You're like, that looks cool. I want one. I'm sure they'll be available soon. So, as you're dismissed... Please go get your kids first, then go to the cafe. I'm not telling you to talk about Jesus, but you can if you want to. Um, but please, pursue him. And uh, man, thank you for being such a, an amazing body of Christ. Love you. Be blessed.